You're listening to a sermon from crckulaman.org. So part two today in our series formed. I encourage you, if you missed part one, it's online. Jump on, have a listen. That was part one. This is part two. Part two never makes as much sense unless you've heard part one. So have a listen. Just pop up that picture. All right, what do you see? A duck? A rabbit? Uh, We all see something a bit different when we look at a picture like that, don't we? Some see a rabbit, some see a duck. But it's the same picture. How can that be? How can we see different things, but it's, it's the same thing that we're looking at? Well, I think it's a bit like that with God, isn't it? We don't all hold the same picture of God, but God is still God. I wonder if your picture of God is someone who's loving, forgiving, kind, supportive, interested, firm, reliable, or or maybe your picture of God is someone who is angry, unreliable, distant, strict, or maybe your view of God is that God is indulgent or permissive. Sometimes our default picture of God might be less than healthy, and I think that's because we have a tendency to make God in human image. That is, we see him as a reflection or as a parallel of people we know or even even of ourselves. Maybe you're default picture of God is that God is a demanding parent who expects perfect behaviour and is quick to punish or say no. Maybe for you God is more like a disinterested friend, too busy for you, has better plans and more important people to be with. Maybe God's like a benevolent grandfather who gives you nice treats, pats you on the head and always says, says yes. Maybe God's like a school teacher. God wants you to learn things, but it's always kind of just a bit disappointed when you don't quite achieve enough. Maybe God's like an angry boss at work. You know, you've got to work hard or you're going to be punished. The reason it's really important for us to think about our picture of God is because when it comes to spiritual formation, we're going to become like the God we worship. We become like the God we worship. And so the picture we hold of God will impact our formation as people. The question is, do we have a healthy understanding of who God is? Do we worship God? Or do we worship a God of our own making? who has been made in our own broken image. The Renovare course that this is based on gives this quote. It says, The picture we hold of God not only shapes us, it affects everything else, including and especially how we read the Bible, how we interpret and relate to suffering, how we treat each other. There is no area of our lives that is untouched by the picture we hold of God, even and maybe especially if that picture is largely unconscious. 
We become like the God we worship, even if we are unaware of the real picture that we hold of God. And so if God is angry and demanding and is all about high standards, do you know what will probably happen? You'll become an angry and judgmental person and you'll always be demanding high standards of yourself and others. Now, you might not openly say a key part of my own personal theological belief system is that God is angry and demanding and it doesn't matter what we do, he's always disappointed with us sinners. But if that's what you believe, deep down inside subconsciously, it's going to influence how you respond to the world around you. And so it becomes your functional theology, the theology that affects your functioning as a person. You could call it your functional beliefs as opposed to your confessed beliefs. And so these unconscious pictures that we hold of God in our, you know, deep down in our heart, in our soul, they're going to have a huge influence on the sort of people we become. And so I think it's helpful for us to explore, is there a gap between what we say about who God is and what we really believe about God? When the rubber hits the road in in our daily life or in, in times of stress and difficulty, What do we really believe about who God is? Now, a picture of God can have a positive impact on our formation if it's the correct picture of God, of course. And so if if you know and believe deep down inside that God is loving and he's full of mercy, and you know what? You'll, You'll love more. You'll love others more. You'll be you'll be kind and compassionate towards people. If deep down inside you you just know that God is trustworthy, that he's reliable, that he's powerful, you know what, you'll be someone who is content and secure and at peace. What's your picture of God? Who do you see when you look at God? Because you will become like the God you worship. Now the ideas we have about God are going to be set by obvious things like theology, denominational context, Bible reading, churches, the Christians we fellowship with, maybe the YouTube preachers that we listen to and watch. But there's also less obvious things that form our picture of God. And it might be things like the way we were raised as kids, might be the style of leadership in a, in a church that we've been part of. It, it might be the relationship that we have with our spouse or family. These things all affect the picture that we build up of God. And then, of course, there's the, the Genesis 3 snake trap. This affects our picture of God too. From the Garden of Eden and, and since, the snake It's trying to distort Adam and Eve's understanding of who God is. The snake tries to trap them in lies about God and he very easily convinces Adam and Eve that God is holding back good things from them, that God is lying to them, that he doesn't really know what they need, that God is mean and controlling, that he doesn't really want them to enjoy what he enjoys. And, of course, in believing those lies, Adam and Eve sin and disobey God. And the snake trap is still at work today, distorting the truth about who God is, deceiving us. 
For spiritual formation to be effective, it's essential that we take hold of the correct picture of God because you'll become like the God you worship. So three key things that I think is important for us to know about God. And these, these are simple things, but I think they're profound things for us to reflect on. Firstly is God is big. God is more than you think. Let me read to you Psalm 145. Great is the Lord and most worthy of praise. His greatness no one can fathom. One generation commends your works to another. They tell of your mighty acts. They speak of the glorious splendor of your majesty. And I will meditate on your wonderful works. They tell of the power of your awesome works and will proclaim your great deeds. They celebrate your abundant goodness and joyfully sing of your righteousness. Ephesians 3, 18 and 19 says, it talks about how we are to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ and to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Whatever we conceptualise God's nature or character to be, he's more than that. He's more abundant in that trait than what you imagine. Like there's this mysterious fullness and completeness that, that God has. John 1.16, out of his fullness, we have all received grace in place of grace already given. God is more loving, more faithful, and more holy than you think. He is more merciful and more forgiving than you think possible. He is more glorious and more good than you imagine. I think it's worth being curious and asking ourselves, what might limit my understanding of God's bigness? If your experience of life has been one of excessive limits or limitations that have been placed on you, and that might be because of uh, your health, your physical or, or mental capacity, it might be because of parenting you've received, violence you've been subjected to, uh, you know, a controlling boss, financial strain, poverty, maybe limited love or support in your life, if you've experienced that, if you've experienced a lot of lack and limit, I think this may affect your view of God. You may struggle to understand his, his bigness and his abundance. You may struggle to understand that he is full and generous and mighty and powerful and that there is no lack in God. What might limit our understanding of God's bigness? It's also important to balance this that, with the knowledge that God is not so big that he's distant and removed from us. And so we can also say that God is close. God is nearer than you think. Isaiah 57, 15. 
For this is what the high and exalted one says, he who lives forever, whose name is holy, I live in a high and holy place, but also with the one who is contrite and lowly in spirit, to revive the spirit of the lowly and revive the heart of the contrite. Psalm 34, 18. The Lord is close to the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit. John 17, 22 to 23. I've given them the glory that you gave me, that they may be one as we are one, I in them and you in me. Genesis 2, 7. Then the Lord God formed a man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life and the man became a living being. You know, God is is aware of us and our needs and he is more accessible in in the the, the daily moments of our life. He is present with us to the point that every breath you take is a breath of life that he has gifted you. Isn't that amazing? I mean, how close is that? The, The air in your lungs is from God. And he knows you, doesn't he? He knows you more than you know you. He lives in you by his spirit. God is is intimate and close. Some of you may have read the book by Brother Lawrence, Practicing the Presence of God. And it's all about an awareness of God's nearness in, in every little and seemingly mundane moment of life. There's a book that I haven't read but that I want to read called Liturgy of the Ordinary. And both of these books and authors understand that God is so very close and near that we can enjoy him and worship him in very intimate but very everyday ways. So I think it's worth being curious and asking ourselves, what might hinder our experience of God's closeness? Perhaps if you are someone who experiences loneliness or has experienced rejection or isolation, maybe at some point in your life you've been bullied or maybe you're just naturally shy, maybe there's a disability that you experience, maybe you've been deserted by others, you feel forgotten or overlooked or left out, you might struggle to feel or understand this intimacy with God. And so you need to hear God is close. God is close. He's nearer than you think. However close you imagine him to be, he's closer than that. Or you could flip that. If you're a highly independent, strong-willed, capable, self-reliant, type A kind of person, you might also struggle to appreciate God's closeness. You know, you are so used to doing it all on your own. You're very capable. You'll solve your problems and probably everyone else's too. You're an island. You're independent. You need to hear that God is right there on that island with you. And perhaps if you're particularly messed up, both of those might apply to you. And You really need to hear that God is near and close. So God is big, God is near. Thirdly, God is a mystery. God is more complex than you think. Sometimes when we say someone is uh, complicated, 
We mean they're difficult or confusing or hard to be around. So for example, you might put that in a sentence by saying, Annette is a complicated person, all right? I hope you wouldn't put that in a sentence like that. Uh, that's not what I mean by God being complex. God is complex and it means he's got diverse characteristics that can kind of be hard for us to define or understand. He's multifaceted. And so God is all-knowing. He's all-seeing. He's all-present. He's eternal. God is life. God is love. God is light. God has personhood. So God is not just an energy or a force. God has a divine will and character. God plans. God does. God is Trinity, Father, Son, Spirit. As soon as anyone tries to give an analogy or explanation of how on earth God can be three distinct persons, yet one single God, it fails, doesn't it? The analogy breaks down into heresy. God, the divine trinity, is a complete mystery. And it excites me. I mean, I love that I can't actually figure God out. Not fully. God is more mysterious and exciting and wonderful and creative than I can possibly imagine. Ephesians 3, 18 to 20. We read it earlier, but I'll just read it again. It talks about um, uh, being able to grasp how wide and how long and how high and deep is the love of Christ and to know this love that surpasses knowledge. The love of God surpasses knowledge. I think sometimes we get hindered in our faith life by thinking that we have to have God all figured out. God is profoundly outside of our normal human comprehension and knowing him is really only possible in conjunction with the spirit. Knowing God occurs in the context of a love relationship, doesn't it? And relationships are, by definition, complex. Think about the people that you know and love. Do you really understand them? Do you really have them figured out? I mean, human beings are so incredibly complex, aren't we? I think about my husband. You know, when I married him, there there was so much that I did not know about him, about the way he thought, about the way he saw the world, about the things he likes or the things he's he's good at. And 22 years later, I, I, I know him much better and I appreciate and value him so much more, but I'm also so much aware, more aware of the fact that I, I don't know him. He's so infinitely more complex than, and, and mysterious than, than what I can figure out. People are complex. And so if we stopped and thought about it, do we really even know ourselves either? Do you really have you figured out? And, and so it's in this context that we're reminded of how much more complex God is, how much more mysterious God is. The Renovare course says this, it says, the Trinity is not a mystery to be solved, but a mystery to be worshipped and a wonder to be loved. Isn't that beautiful? The Trinity is not a mystery to be solved, but a mystery to be worshipped and a wonder to be loved. Some of you might remember the series we did a little while ago now called Wonderstruck. 
We did that on Right Now Media. And it's all about the, the, the wonder and the beauty and the fullness of God and the friendship that we enjoy with him and how wonderful it is to just delight in the complex mystery of God. Job 5.9 says, He performs wonders that cannot be fathomed, miracles that cannot be counted. Romans 11.33, Oh, the depth of the riches of the wisdom and the knowledge of God, how unsearchable his judgments His paths are beyond tracing out. Our spiritual formation will be stunted if we try and put God in a box like that. The God is like this box. Imagine that on the front of that sort of concrete rigid box, there's a list of specific kind of attributes, these very black and white things that we believe are true about God. You know, and your labels on this box might say God is good, God is faithful, loving, God's a healer, God's a miracle worker, he's sovereign, and they're all true things about God, aren't they? They're very true things. But the the, the problem comes when we, we shut the lid on the box And we say, God fits in my box. God is defined by what's in my box, by the labels I've stuck on the front of it. Of course, it's a very human way of trying to make sense of God. You know, we all do this, really, to a point, especially when we're young, right, whether we're young in age or young in faith. We have quite a rigid, very specific, concrete understanding of who God is and what God does and how he will operate in the world. But one day we all discover, don't we, that, um, you know, that, that God just doesn't quite fit in that special box we've made for him. Sooner or later things are going to happen that don't seem to line up with our, our labels that we've sticky taped to the box. God is a healer. Someone dies. God is good. Bad things happen to our family. God is faithful. Plans don't work out how we thought God said that they would. And so it's this gap between what we we think we know about God and what we experience in the real world that can be a source of great confusion for us. And we can start to feel unsafe with God you know, what we, what we think should happen isn't happening and it can really hinder the growth of our faith and our spiritual formation. And so for us to mature in our faith, for spiritual formation to take place and change the deep and hidden parts of us, we need to be able to open the box and let God out. We actually need to add a a, a label to our concrete box that says complex. God is more complex and mysterious than I think. We need like a question mark on the front of that box. You know, in the Gospels, Jesus talks about the secrets or the mysteries of the kingdom of God. Paul, in, in the book of Romans or in his letters, he talks about the mystery of Christ and the mystery of the gospel. 
1 Timothy 3.9 tells us that leaders must hold fast to the mystery of the faith. And so the formation of Christ in us will be hindered if we're not able to embrace this mystery of God. And so I want to say I think it's freeing when we can sit in the complexity of God, holding what we know and what we don't know together. Can you be okay with that? Can you still feel safe with God, not quite having him neatly boxed and labelled? So, do you have a sufficiently big, near and complex picture of God and who he is? Who is God? What do you believe about God? This is going to be foundational to your formation. Chad Ashbury, uh, just some random that I found online, he seems like he knew what he's talking about. Um, He's got a degree in maths and theology. Anyway, Chad Ashbury says that um, we often define who we are based on our experiences and circumstances. So it's our our everyday life circumstances that are forming us. That's that's basically what I preached about last time in, in Formation Part 1. Um, I spoke about, you know, the the who or what is forming you. But he says we then project this meaning of our experiences onto how we understand God. And he says this, he says it seems that a lot of the theology we are consuming, reading, blogging and podcasting begins with personal experience and then moves towards the word. He says it's testimonial, then theological. It's memoir, then meditative. It's personal experience, then a sort of practical theology at the back end. And of course, and so he says our experience of life seems to interpret or inform our theology. But of course, he critiques this and says, well, that's a terrible way to be transformed by Jesus. That's a terrible way to interpret what God says is true. That's that's not how we are going to be formed in the image of Christ. That's just going to reinforce our faulty, flawed, broken experiences of life and humanness. There will be a great superficiality to our faith and formation if it flows out of our experience of life on this fallen planet. If we use experience to understand God, we are going to have a very unreliable picture of God, aren't we? It's just logical, isn't it? If we use our experience to understand God, we're going to have a very unreliable, broken human picture of God. So for our theology to be Formative or transformative, we actually need to flip this so that God comes first and that our, our theology becomes the way we interpret our experiences in life. And so Chad Ashbury puts it in maths terms. He says, our theology, the word, must be like the independent variable. And our experiences in life must be like the dependent variable. And so in maths or even in science, uh, the dependent variable is the thing that changes. It's the changeable thing because of the action of the independent variable upon it. 
So the independent variable is fixed, it's given, and then it influences or affects the answer, the dependent variable. And so this is why in our spiritual formation we must start with God. God must be the independent variable, the fixed factor. God will be the truth through which we interpret and experience life. God must form us rather than our experience forming who we think God is. And I think this is where spiritual habits or spiritual disciplines, they're often called, can be such useful tools for us. When we have regular routines of prayer and fasting and meditation and study, when we are regularly and habitually, you know, scheduled planned times, hitting pause on our ordinary human life and our ordinary routines, when we are immersing ourselves in the life of God, we are saying God is first, God is the primary influence on my life, and he is the independent variable. And I will submit my life to him and I will be changed and influenced by him. I am the dependent variable. And there's a whole host of spiritual habits that are useful for us here. And and some of the ones I'm listing uh, come from Richard Foster's classic, The Celebration of Discipline. Get hold of a copy of that if you can. Richard Foster, Celebration of Discipline. It's very well worth reading. But some of the other ones he lists are are things like simplicity and solitude and submission and service. And, And I think these sorts of spiritual disciplines are helpful because they're ways of doing life that are more compatible with God's nature than our our common human ways of living. And so they become like a magnet, these disciplines. They they kind of suck us in towards God. They, They draw us towards God. They are things that open us up to his movement upon us. Our usual ways of living repel us away from God. They close us to his action in our life. Spiritual disciplines such as confession, worship, guidance, celebration, they're also helpful. These are sort of spiritual habits that we do in community, don't we? With people, they're part of church life. And again, they're ways of doing life that are compatible with God. Richard Foster says they're like a doorway that we enter through, allowing us to place ourselves before God so that he can transform us. And so when we participate in confession, worship, celebration, we're choosing to submit ourselves in the context of these human relationships. So we're submitting ourselves in the context of of human relationships and church fellowship. And so when we kind of like plunge ourselves into into the, the worship life of the church and the celebrational life of the church and the confessional life of the church, of the body of Christ, it's, it's kind of like a pool. We sort of, we, we, we get in and we're swimming together and in doing so, we allow the power and the glory and the grace and the love of God to move upon us and through us and in us in very mysterious but very real, tangible ways. And, and, and this spiritual formation. This is how we are formed into the image of Christ. So, God is bigger than we think. God is closer than we think and he's more complex than we think. I just want to ask, which of those three aspects of who God is do you sense an invitation from God to explore more fully? 
the Holy Spirit just sort of highlighting one of those aspects of God's nature to you. Which one of those three areas cause a bit of resistance or hesitation in you? And why might that be? Do you think the spiritual habits I've mentioned are helpful ways for you to to position yourself as the, the dependent variable in the equation of the kingdom of God? Which one of those habits would you like to explore more intentionally? I think there's all things for us to ponder and reflect and spend some time with God, asking him to to lead you into a, a fuller, more complete picture of who he is. Because we become like the God we worship. What's your picture of God? Let me pray. Heavenly Father, we just pray that by the power of your Holy Spirit, you would, you would uh, help us to see you more clearly, that we would have a revelation and an understanding deep down inside of how big you are, how glorious, how wonderful you are, how powerful and sovereign you are. But Lord, would we also have a revelation of how close and intimate and near that you are to us, that you are ever present with us. Lord, would you help us to uh, be able to hold in tension all that we know about you and, and yet to be okay with not knowing everything about you. Give us an ability to enjoy the mystery of who you are. Give us a, a, a real delight in your, your, your wonder. May we be wonderstruck by you, Lord. And Father, for all the ways that we uh, box you, and um, have such a limited view of who you are. Father, would you help us to just open the lid of that box and and, and would we just just see you for for all all that you are, Lord? Father, I just pray that as um, as we engage in some of these spiritual habits in our life, we just pray that they would draw us nearer into your, um, your heart, your ways, your will, your nature, your character. And may we indeed be formed, transformed and, and shaped in the image of Christ, we pray. All for your glory and your purposes, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Lovely. All right, well, let's enjoy some.